This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Young Turks, Jim Hightower, The David Pakman Show, The Unfuck It Up Project, Comedian Lee Camp, and The Progressive. And a preemptive silver lining for all the stories about corporate secrecy you're about to hear. Just remember that the less you know, the more blissful you're likely to be. Alec, the American Legislative Exchange Council. Those are the guys who create model legislation that they then farm out to um, Republican legislatures around the country, try to get uh, favorable legislation on behalf of corporations written. Well, they've got a, a new push that they're making now. They are moving to criminalize the filming of animal abuse on factory farms. Um, the... Uh, the ALEC is shipping around in six states, would make it a crime to film animal abuse at factory farms or to lie about your uh, identity on a job application in order to get access to a job to a slaughterhouse to be able to film the animal abuse, felony criminal animal abuse going on. Uh Um, The meat industry has already come out and responded to uh, say that they think that this is a great idea. They they don't want to have anybody (laughs) coming in and doing any secret work on them. Gush shocker, I know. Um, The Humane Society of the United States uh, spokesman, when this story came out, he was asked for comment, and the Humane Society says that the meat industry's response to these exposés has not been to try to prevent these abuses from taking place, but rather it's really just been to prevent America from finding out about these abuses in the first place. Um, And he also said that what they're trying to do is, what they're doing is trying to pass laws throughout the country that don't just shoot the messenger, they seek to imprison the messenger. That's clever. It's very clever. I mean, and ultimately (laughs) it comes down to this. If you're doing nothing wrong, why do you care? Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing nothing wrong, if you're, you know, not abusing animals, then why why do you care? Yeah. You know? I mean, they would say, uh, to play devil's advocate, they'd say that the, these videos do take place on, on private property. And right. you should have some expectation that you're not being videotaped. Like, if somebody started a TYT internship and then they were filming me like without me knowing it, I'd be kind of bothered, I guess. Um, but, but the simple fact is that tons of abuse does happen in these places. Right. Mm-hmm. When I was editing videos uh, last year, we did this video of uh, these piglets just being horrendously abused, thrown yes. around for oh fun. Tossed goodness. against walls. Exactly. And yes. the idea here is, let's Let's not worry about stopping that stuff. What's the difference? And I guess, realistically, if we're going to kill them and eat them, that seems like the biggest problem. But still, you should care about that and not just... Uh, the videotaping of it. Well, you know, I, there, I think there's also actually a, a, a scientific sort of sanitation reason for this as well, you know, mm-hmm. that when you have these really disgusting practices, like there were some uh, videos that came out in the past couple of years about downer cows, you know, cows that couldn't walk, that were too sick to walk, that were actually mm-hmm. supposed to, by law, be kept out of the food supply, that they would, you know, they had videos showing them being dragged and mm-hmm. uh, and forced into the food supply anyway. Or propped up when regulators propped came by. so that they well, you want to support your product. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> profit right up right there. You know, so there are some, some sort of sanitation reasons behind it, but also I think, you know, Americans are just philosophically uh, very strongly against this. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I happen to agree with the, uh, uh, the Humane Society guy when he says that they don't really want to spend the money to do things mm-hmm. right, to train the personnel yeah. Uh, yeah. properly. I grew up on a farm. Like, we, everything that we ate, everything we ingested from our vegetables to our meat, it, we, it happened on the farm. And there's, I feel like, a way to do it right and a way to do it wrong. And I understand people who stand for, like, not meat, eating meat at all, that it's a crime. That's fine. I personally don't. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
I don't know. I, I feel like if you're doing something wrong, why are you? I want to know about it. Yeah. And I and I understand, like you said, you had a great point. If somebody's following you around with a camera, you know, you're going to be a little upset about it. But this also goes back to the person with the camera when Mitt Romney was running in the 47%. And people said, you know, uh, was that a violation that this guy was in there and it was supposed to be a private thing? And it's like, yeah, but we needed to know that he felt that way. Yeah. Imagine Don't, if he started throwing piglets in that video. Imagine, We'd want that oh. camera. I would want that, see that, that some he felt that way about piglets. I want to see that. that too. That would be pretty amazing. And, and just one final thing that um, the uh, spokesman for Alec, he said that at the end of the day, it's about personal property rights or the individual right to privacy. You wouldn't want me coming into your home with a hidden camera unless you're yeah. doing something illegal. Yeah. You know, I exactly. have a problem with that. Uh, a couple quick points I want to make. Uh, one, exactly. I think that people might oppose this if you uh, don't focus on the animal angle. Just focus on the lying on the resume angle because that's a slippery slope. But I don't think most people want lying on resumes to be made illegal. Because most people <laughs> engage in at least a little bit of that. Um, two, I think that it's kind of sad how far backwards we've gone as a mm -hmm. country in about 100 years. Like I remember, well, I don't remember, but I've read about when uh, The Jungle came out. And it was talking mm. about just how terrible our meatpacking industry and was. And it was. And it was. It was yeah. awful what was going in. People were having their fingers chopped off in the machinery, and it was going into the yeah. food. Yeah. So the solution back then was actually get some food regulations, and we started to get that. The solution now apparently would have been to just ban the publishing of the jungle. So that's kind of sad. Um, but also, I think that, 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 I think that people oppose point. this. Yeah. I try. That's a great uh, point. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, people oppose the, the abuse, but I think that they're they're still willing to allow it to go on because it seems like a necessary part of the fact that we, we as a country, we as a planet, we eat meat. There's going to be abuses related to that because corn doesn't complain when you kick it, but a piglet does. And people are willing to allow that to happen because they want to eat the meat at the end of the day. But I've had fake chicken recently, and it is pretty damn realistic. And I think you really? give them a couple more decades, I wonder how far they're going to be able to come. I don't know. Yeah, the, the ribs and the beef still pretty bad, but the fake chicken is just as good as the real stuff. I am I surprised. Think. I anyway. have not tried it. Um, yeah. Try it. This is the future. This is the future. This is the future. Future is now. Amy Meyer was curious, then she was appalled, then she was charged with the crime of using a cell phone to video what appalled her. Welcome to the brave new world of ag-gag laws being pushed by agribusiness corporations to stop reporters, workers, animal rights advocates, and even curious 25-year-old truth seekers like Miss Meyer from recording abuses that are routinely taking place on farm animal confinement factories. Actually, these are the repressive laws of the cowardly new world of industrial ag biz, eager to keep its customers in the dark about what they're doing to the pigs, cows, chickens, etc., under their care. A resident of Utah, which passed its gag law last year, Meyer heard about some ugly doings at the Smith & Sons meatpacking outfit in the town of Draper City, so she decided to take a look. Even from the public roadway where she stood, the horror was easy to see, and she dared to document it with her camera. The corporate manager scrambled out to declare that she was trespassing, later claiming that she had crossed a barbed wire fence onto corporate property. Cops were called. No such trespass was found, and she was released. 
But the corporation, whose owner just happens to be mayor of Draper, got city prosecutors to charge her with ready agricultural operation interference, punishable by a six-month jail term. This is Jim Hightower saying. However, thanks to a web alert by Will Potter, author of a blog named GreenIsTheNewRed.com, global public outrage poured into Draper City, and in just 24 hours, prosecutors dropped all charges against Meyer, the first person in America to be charged under these ridiculous laws. Thanks to stand-up rebels like Amy, Will, and thousands of freedom defenders, AgBiz is choking on its own AgGag scam. To help fight it, go to change.org/aggag. Uh, Mother Jones has a very, very worthwhile uh, article about what big agriculture doesn't want you to see. Now, for the second year in a row, the livestock and meat industries are backing bills in a number of different state houses that would actually criminalize undercover investigations of livestock farms. Now, we know, Lewis, that one of the most effective ways to get attention to how our food is raised is getting cameras into livestock farms and slaughterhouses. This is something that those companies very, very acutely are aware of and try to prevent. Right. And we've seen some movies that have gotten some footage of what goes on there. Food Inc. comes to mind, although it's really not very, uh, there, there's not really that much in there. Um, in fact, it was actually difficult to get around most of those places. Now, the uh, the Humane Society of the U.S. is one of the animal we- welfare groups that is most adept at doing these undercover investigations, typically with hidden cameras. And they are saying that there are at least nine states that have these, what they're being called, ag-gag bills, gag order bills on agriculture. And a lot of them are based on this model that ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, has basically put together. They've, they've made this cookie-cutter, uh, industry-friendly legislation that can go to just about any state, make some modifications, and you can criminalize these undercover investigations. This is a disaster. Now, to people who say, well, hold on a second. If you're trespassing, if you are using a false identity, pretending to be some kind of FDA uh, investigator to get in somewhere and then recording, that should be illegal, and it already is. You do not need this broad-scope legislation to specifically criminalize undercover investigations of these facilities, we already have trespass laws. We already have penalties for uh, impersonating a federal employee. We have all of those things. And this is so clearly something that is there because the big agriculture, big livestock companies know that what goes on there, if it were to become public, would be disastrous to their bottom line, and that's all this is. This is a protect big business uh, proposal uh, sponsored in part by ALEC, which we know is a group that, that that has those big corporate interests in mind. Right. So the influence of these companies is 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 working. I mean, what the government should be doing is the exact opposite. What they should be doing is allowing media and uh, anyone who wants to to capture what's going on there in at certain times during the year, during the month, what have you. Uh, 
to be able to see what's going on here, to be able to see what's happening to the food everyone is eating. Speaking of freedom of the press, Natan, given that we have specific legislations, uh, sp specific laws, specific legislation in place, that if you do something that is specifically illegal, like trespassing or whatever, it applies no matter whether you are a member of the media or not doing an investigation. Could this be argued that this is a type of law that is specifically targeting the press and therefore is, would be, a government restriction on freedom of the press? Why do we need specific laws specifically applying to investigations by media? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it could, but this totally reeks of guilt. The only reason why any company would push for a law like this to be passed is specifically because they don't want people to know what actually goes on. Obviously. Why it's else would totally you do obvious. it? If there was nothing to hide, you wouldn't need specific legislation criminalizing undercover documentaries of lives. I mean, how how specific is this? It is absolutely, to me, uh, uh, in, an indication that, that there is a problem. Oh, I'm sure the conditions... A problem we know exists. Yeah, all over the place are heinous. Um, yeah, uh, just the, the thought of it, that, that the only footage we can get of where our food is coming from is, uh, is obtained illegally... Uh, covertly through through subterfuge, it's it's mind-boggling. It, it really is. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. So we're going to keep an eye on these bills and see where they go. There's a lot of money behind them. So uh, I would encourage uh, individuals to, to contact your local representative and say, if your state is one of these nine, and I apologize, I don't have the list in front of me, but check out the Mother Jones article and say you are against this and the congressperson just as well as you and their kids and your kids Everybody needs to have some level of access to where our food is coming from, and this bill is going above and beyond everything that already exists that prevents us from knowing that. You listen to Best of the Left podcast, so you know how important it is to have true, progressive, independent, non-corporate media. My show, The David Pakman Show, needs your support today to take the next step in building something big without big corporate support. Find out what we're doing by going to igg.me slash at slash tdps or just go to davidpackman.com and click on the blue Indiegogo banner at the top of the page. This is hugely exciting, but we need your help. In most state legislatures today, bizarre is not unusual and off the wall has become the political center. Still, it seems strange that legislators in so many states, from California to Vermont, have simultaneously been pushing ag-gag bills that are not merely outrageous, but downright un-American. Each is intended to prevent journalists, whistleblowers, workers, and other citizens from exposing illegal, abusive, or unethical corporate treatment of animals confined in factory feeding operations. Our nation's founders mounted a revolution to establish our right to a free press and free speech, even if the reigning government doesn't like the message. Yet here come a mess of so-called conservatives using state governments to outlaw messengers who shine a light on corporate wrongdoing, turning those who expose crimes into criminals. Even kookier, these repressive laws declare that truth-tellers who so much as annoy or embarrass the corporate owner of the animal factory are guilty of, quote, an act of terrorism. Oddly, each of these state proposals is practically identical, even including much of the same wording. That's because, unbeknownst to the public and other legislators, the bills don't originate from the state lawmakers who introduce them, instead coming from a corporate front group named ALEC. 
the American Legislative Exchange Council. Lobbyists for corporate funders of ALEC convene periodically to write model bills that serve their corporation's special interests. Then, the bills are farmed out to the group's trusted lawmakers across the country. The secretive ALEC network produced the AG-GAG model in 2002, titling it the Animal and Ecological Terrorism Act. This is Jim Hightower saying the only terrorists in this fight are the soulless profiteers in the corporate suites and the cynical lawmakers who serve them. I'm happy to announce that here at Best of the Left, we are expanding our commitment to activism with a new segment in partnership with the Unfuck It Up Project, which was created out of the viral response to comedian Katie Goodman's video, I Didn't Fuck It Up. Goodman and her project director, Katie Klubusic, encourage involvement over apathy by highlighting people and organizations who are changing their communities and the world. Their enthusiasm for the project made them the perfect fit to bring you a steady stream of ways to contribute and to get involved with causes that you're passionate about. So as heard on today's show, ag-gag and anti-whistleblower bills have been introduced in 10 states so far this year from California to Vermont. The fight against these measures includes actions as simple as sharing the footage the bills want to suppress, signing the pledge to challenge whistleblower bills, and sending letters to the editor. These basic acts actually work. Backlash through viral videos and traditional media outlets has repeatedly killed similar bills. So you can visit the Humane Society's Take Action page for campaigns in your state. And, you know, personally, I'll go out on a limb and say, I'm against animal cruelty. It's brave, I know. But the fact is, that doesn't have to be your motivating factor. The point is that we should have the freedom to see how our food is being produced without being labeled as a terrorist. So a link to the Humane Society will be in the show notes and all the usual places, either on the device you're listening to the show on or at the Best of the Left website. And if you have an activism opportunity or person worth highlighting, please visit the Unfuck It Up Facebook page and post the information there to nominate it for use on the show. Fucked up. Could you help unfuck it up? And then say, are you really so fucking busy? You can't take one fucking minute to help unfuck it up. Because I'm willing to pick one thing to help unfuck it up. Won't you join me? Everybody on this side. Let's all unfuck it up. Okay, real loud and proud, let's all unfuck it up. This is your moment of clarity from LeeCamp.net, and today's episode has everything. It's got murder, intrigue, poison, crazy Christians, and not a single mention of Ah, now it does. A farmer in India kills himself roughly every 30 minutes. And I know you're thinking, that's odd, they only just now started airing MTV's 16 and Pregnant in India. But no, MTV's not the cause. You can get a hint of the actual cause by looking at the way many of the farmers kill themselves. They do it 
by intentionally drinking Monsanto pesticides. They do it that way to send a little love letter to Monsanto. That love letter reads, F*** you, you for destroying my entire life. They're, they're, they're kind of passive-aggressive over there. Until 15 years ago, Indian farmers did a crazy thing. They would plant seeds, grow stuff, and then use the new seeds to grow more stuff. But the gentle souls of Monsanto thought, that's not right, this system is uncivilized because it doesn't have the, the three M's, middleman, manipulation, and malfeasance. So the corporation started sending salespeople to trick the farmers into buying a different kind of seed. By the way, these farmers are largely illiterate and trusting, so pulling one over on them is about as difficult as getting drugs past the International Cycling Union. The Monsanto seeds are genetically altered to create plants without functional seeds, so that the destitute farmers then have to rebuy seeds every year. Plus, the new genetically modified organisms, or GMOs, require lots of Monsanto pesticide, and the crops fail completely a large percentage of the time. So basically, Monsanto is the agricultural mafia. You pay us if you ever want to see your little, your little seeds again. And this is how you end up with a quarter of a million Indian farmers killing themselves since 1995. Millions of financially troubled Indians have had their lives destroyed by the good people at Monsanto. Motto, we bring good things to life or death. One, 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 of, one of the two. And this is only the tip of the iceberg in terms of the possible harm of various GMOs. Most haven't been tested enough, at least not by scientists that don't have Monsanto so far up their butts they sneeze corn. Most of Europe has banned almost all GMOs for the time being, and Peru just put into place a 10-year ban on Monsanto and GMOs, and that ban took a lot of work and a lot of people standing up and saying, as much as we love drought-resistant veggies, we're not so big on that side effect you mentioned mass suicide yeah that whole that whole uh, killing ourselves in bulk is kind of a bummer but here's my real question about genetically modified foods where is all the Christian outrage? You guys hate unnatural stuff, right? You claim gay marriage is unnatural all the time and you're furious about it so why aren't you up in arms about the tomatoes with the salmon jeans. Come on, get off your asses and start holding crosses up at soybeans like they're vampires. I want to see angry Christians marching with grotesque posters of bloody naked corn and cotton and locking arms and blocking off the grocery store, spitting at people walking into restaurants. It's not what God intended. The Lord Almighty would never have approved of an avocado that big. God hates bags of GMO green beans. And even if you're not down with that reasoning, what about the whole caring for the poor thing? Monsanto murders an Indian farmer every 30 minutes by crushing them, devouring them with debt. Shouldn't you be hurling Bibles through the window of Monsanto headquarters as we speak? If you want me to help you build some kind of Bible firing machine that could really do some real damage, I'm, I'm all for it. I've, I've already drawn up diagrams. Pull the lever back Be sure to tie it tight Load something in the end Send it into flight This is another song about catapults The things that throw stuff in the air This is not a song about religion or cults It's just another song about catapults Everyone needs one, or at least a limber tree. 
We wouldn't need UPS Send things out for free Just another song about catapults Things that throw stuff in the air This is not a song about religion or cults Another song about catapults. During the budget negotiations, uh, at one point, somebody, and it's unclear who it was, slipped in a little thing called Section 735. Did it have anything to do with the budget? Nope. But it got passed along with everything else. They had to pass the bill. Well, uh, what does it do? It's just a little thing that's been now colloquially called the Monsanto Protection Act. Because it allows uh, companies that are in the GMO business, that's... Uh, Gen genetically modified organisms to not get sued, to avoid liability in certain circumstances. Isn't that amazing? So, for example, if they accidentally or negligently, or maybe even on purpose, wind up poisoning the food supply of the country, sad day for you, Section 735, they can't get sued. Now, that's a simplistic way of breaking it down, but that's basically what it is. And now people have realized that and they're like, what the hell? We didn't agree to that. First, progressives were incredibly mad, rightfully so, and we had a group that got together 250,000 uh, signatures to protest this, and uh, that was, of course, a progressive group. But you know what happened? And this is the interesting twist. All of a sudden, the battle is joined. Here comes the Tea Party. Well, at least one person, Dustin Siggins, he blogs for the Tea Party Patriots, who had a rough go of it in the AFC championship game, but they're still here. I'm going to make that joke every time. It is not the purview of the Tea Party patriots to comment on the merits of GMOs. That's fair enough. That is a discussion and debate for experts and activists within that field. From the perspective of citizens who want open, transparent government, though, that serves the people, however. The so-called Monsanto Protection Act, Section 735 of the Continuing Resolution, is one heck of a special interest loophole for friends of Congress. Now, on that, he is 100% right. And I love it that conservatives have opened their eyes and said, wait a minute, aren't we against crony capitalism? Aren't we in favor of an open and transparent government because we don't want the big government doing things behind our back and helping their friends because they've got the right lobbyists and inserting things in the bill? Not a single senator has claimed credit to this. Now, you go to the Senate Appropriations Committee run by Barbara Mikulski, and you say, all right, well, so I guess it must have been you. You're in charge of the committee. They say, oh, it wasn't us. Look at her spokesperson. They say, Senator Mikulski understands the anger over this provision. She didn't put the language in the bill and doesn't support it either. Well, then who the hell does? Now, the reality is it's very likely that it was the Obama administration that asked the Senate to put this in. You know, President Obama is a huge fan of Monsanto. Now, you say, well, why, why do you say that? Well, the food safety czar that he put in, the food safety czar former chief lobbyist for Monsanto. Now, the right wing didn't make them do, make him do that. In fact, look at this. The right wing is now complaining about it. Rightfully so. No, President Obama is a corporatist, and when no one is looking, the number one thing he wants to do is help corporations. They funded his campaign, and so he works for them. Mystery solved. So now the Tea Party recognizes what a problem that is, so uh, uh, Dustin Siggins continues. This all can be boiled down into a single common phrase a special interest loophole, and a doozy at that. Now, look, we're used to subsidies which give your tax dollars to companies to give them advantage over competitors. We're used to special interest tax loopholes and tax credits, which provide competitive and financial benefits to those with friends in Congress. And we are familiar with the regulatory burden increases, which often prevent smaller companies from competing against larger ones because of the cost of compliance. However, 
This is a different kind of special interest giveaway altogether. This is a situation in which a company is given the ability to ignore court orders in what boils down to a deregulation scheme for a particular set of industries. Now, Dustin is, again, 100% right about that. And I feel relieved a little bit here because finally our conservative brothers and sisters are beginning to wake up and realize, yeah, why do we want crony capitalism? Wait a minute, I don't want crony capitalism either. Why do we want the special loopholes? Why do we want them exempt from the law, but the law comes to crush us whenever it deals with us? Well, we don't want that. Why do we want these lobbies being able to insert this secretly in the bill and no one even says, hey, it was me? And that's secret government. That should be what conservatives are against. So it's a pleasure to agree with the Tea Party in this case. And the Monsanto Protection Act is an abomination and is exactly how our democracy is not supposed to work. It's the opposite of what we're supposed to do in an open, transparent, democratic government. How would you like to be able to read books and periodicals without the need for tree-killing paper, the actual ability to read, or having to pay a giant corporation for the pleasure? I sure would, but I don't think that exists. Two out of three ain't bad, though, because Audible, an Amazon company, is just such a giant corporation that can make these other wishes a reality. By signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash best, you'll receive a free audiobook of your choice, yours to keep even if you cancel within the 14-day free trial. That's audiblepodcast.com slash best to take something for nothing from a company who obviously didn't write the copy for this advertisement. The Supreme Court heard an important challenge today to the reign of the agribusiness companies, and in particular to the monarchy of Monsanto. The challenge is being brought by a 75-year-old Indiana farmer named Vernon Hugh Bowman. Monsanto sued this small farmer after he bought seed from a local grain elevator. Bowman didn't know that some of Monsanto's genetically modified seed was in that batch that he bought. But when he planted the seed and Monsanto found out that some of it was theirs, the company sued for patent infringement. The company won an award of 84 grand, but Bowman has appealed the ruling up to the Supremes. Bowman has taken the fight to Monsanto which is a welcome sight since the company has been bullying farmers all across the country for using its Roundup-resistant seed, even unintentionally. Monsanto has instituted thousands of seed piracy lawsuits against farmers in at least 27 states, as one of Bowman's supporters has noted. Under financial duress, many farmers were forced to settle out of court rather than face expensive and lengthy lawsuits. These settlements have resulted in farmers paying Monsanto tens of millions of dollars. This is extortion on top of environmental degradation. Monsanto has flooded the market with its GMO seed, and now it wants to drive out the small farmers who don't want to pay ransom. As goes Vernon Hugh Bowman, so goes the family farmer. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it. For the land in which we stand is the only thing we have that can withstand the weight of our lives. So learn to treat the land like a tree. Your own two hands on a wrist string Cherish the gifts of hope Well, I never needed his strength more When they knocked upon my door Said it's time to go Those words struck
Monsanto, the Monsanto power grab continues. Monsanto has basically been all but given immunity from federal government oversight, and this has been basically ignored by mainstream media. I'm not at all surprised. Of course not. Uh, on Thursday, Congress passed a short-term budget measure, the Senate Continuing Resolution Spending Bill, which includes an anonymously added rider, anonymously added rider, let me restate that, that critics are saying gives Monsanto immunity from the federal government. It's a little more complicated than that. The reality is the provision allows the USDA to grant temporary permission for genetically modified crops to be planted, even if a judge has ruled that GMO crops aren't approved, at least until proper environmental reviews are conducted. So basically, once you plant something, as we know, it's really hard to get it out of the wild. As we've we've heard so many stories about these co you know copyrighted uh, uh, CMO uh, GMO crops, it's uh, it's a a calm midwestern afternoon. The sun is setting, and your soybean accidentally is blown into the neighboring field, and all of a sudden you've got Monsanto lawyers uh, uh, suing you. Right. We've heard about those stories many times. Mm -hmm. It's very, very difficult to get these things out of the ground once they're already in the ground. So we have a situation here where this is basically not in the mainstream media at all. Monsanto is absolutely loving it. Reuters is now reporting that Monsanto has settled with its main competitor, DuPont, over GMO seed technology, and they are now planning to collaborate. Monsanto is going to take the lead. So DuPont will now be allowed to produce Monsanto seeds, and they will be paying royalty payments to do so. It is sickening what is going on here, Lewis. On top of all the, the power Monsanto has, DuPont, the main competitor, is now basically going to be paying Monsanto to grow their seeds. Pretty, pretty amazing. So I want to be very clear about what the two issues are here. There's two arguments that are being mixed up, and it's important that people keep both of them kind of straight. If you're going to talk about it with people, don't allow yourself to be confused by the, the mixing or conflating of these arguments. Number one is the discussion of the health of eating GMOs. Varied reports, varied studies. Some say it's still to be determined. We have some advocates saying there's no evidence that eating GMOs is at all harmful. But in a number of different tests, we have seen that eating GMOs in animals has actually been harmful. So that's, that's question one. It's a discussion we can have. But number two is... The corporate control and the behavior of companies like Monsanto is really becoming reminiscent of uh, Soylent Green, right? The 1973 science fiction movie where there's this high-energy green wafer that's rationed and it becomes the food source for most of the population due to poverty. We're going in the direction of huge corporate control over food and moving away from... I, I forget, forget about these terms of uh, a processed or whatever... Just real food, right, Lewis? Real food. Two different arguments I think people need to keep straight. Right, yes. Uh, honestly, at this point, the the corporate control of the food system in this country is almost complete. It, right. It's almost total domination. You still can, though, Natan, if you're, sm if you're an informed and smart consumer and really vote with your dollars, as insignificant as they may be in the grand scheme of things, you can really have control over your food to, to, some, to some significant extent, I would say. I think so, but uh, I think the main problem is that it takes money to do that and knowledge, and you can't uh, depend on everyone just uh, f you know, having a light bulb blow off in right. their head and say, oh, you know, I need to do this, and 
it's just not feasible. So part no. of the problem is the control that these companies have over Congress, but the other part is the subsidies that we give to producing plants in the first place. And let's be honest, Lewis, I would not at all be surprised to hear that Monsanto's influence over the big corporate corporate media is why the stories about Monsanto are widely kept out of the news. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, their influence is everywhere. If you fool with Mother Nature, she'll most likely fool with you, usually in very unpleasant ways. Monsanto, the biotech profiteer, keeps rediscovering this reality, but never seems to learn from it. For more than a decade, it has aggressively pushed its genetically altered corn and soybean seeds on American farmers. Called Roundup Ready, the seeds have had their genes altered specifically so the resulting corn plants and soybeans can tolerate heavier doses of an herbicide called Roundup. Who makes this weed killer? Monsanto. So its frankenseeds are really nothing but a marketing scheme to sell and spread more pesticide. But Roundup kills those pesky weeds so farmers gain, right? Wrong. Monsanto's bio-tampering fooled Mother Nature briefly, but Mom has fought back. Several weeds have mutated to become immune to Roundup. For farmers, coping with these new super weeds has already become a billion-dollar-a-year nightmare, and they're spreading like, well, like super weeds. As reported by Tom Philpot of MotherJones.com, a 31-state survey of farmers found that half of them now have Roundup immune weeds in their fields. Some states are especially hard hit. Infested acreage doubled in Iowa, Indiana, and Nebraska last year. And 92% of Georgia farmers say they now have the weeds. But Monsanto, having learned nothing, is peddling yet another bio-scheme to fool Mother Nature. Called Next Generation, these are re-altered seeds that let farmers dump super-toxic pesticides on the super-weeds. This is Jim Hightower saying, great, let's spread more poisonous and more costly poisons on our food. Then Mother Nature will evolve and proliferate even more super-super-weeds. As organic and sustainable farmers are showing, it's far better to cooperate with Mother Nature than foolishly trying to sledgehammer her. Senator Roy Blunt, uh, well, he's pretty blunt about who he represents, and it turns out it's Monsanto. Uh, we were wondering where the Monsanto Protection Act came from, and it appears it might have come from Senator Roy Blunt's office. Now, he's a Republican senator, and he has not been shy in the past about uh, pushing legislation that was in favor of Monsanto and just about any other corporation uh, that might give him a donation. Now, Mother Jones reports that he uh, was the likely source 
of the Monsanto Protection Act. If you don't remember what that was, it was a little uh, attachment to the budget bill that had to pass, the budget bill overall. But this attachment didn't need to be in there at all. It was saying that Monsanto and other agricultural companies are protected from certain types of lawsuits. Now, that's outrageous. Why would they need to be protected? If they did something wrong, they should go to court like everybody else and defend themselves. So for the Congress to supersede the courts and say, no, 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 this is a company that's above the law is absolutely outrageous. Of course, the Obama administration did not object to it, and the Democrats uh, are the ones that uh, also put it, you know, through uh, Barbara Mikulski, who runs that committee in the Senate, she's a Democrat, allowed it to go forward. Now, she says she's not in favor of it, but she's got a funny way of showing it, because she allowed it in the, into the bill. So now, if Senator Roy Blunt is the person who really did put it forward, as Mother Jones suggests, well, it makes some sense, because they also outline where Roy Blunt gets his money. So how much did he take from Monsanto recently? Well, back in 2008, when he was in the House, he took $10,000 from him. That was just a warm-up uh, legalized bribe. In 2010, when he was running for Senate, he got $44,250. And then 2012, when they were getting ready for the Monsanto Protection Act, well, that's when they had to pony up $64,250. But that's just directly to Roy Blunt. What about the PACs? Well, let's go to those. Agribiz PACs overall, this is all the agricultural uh, companies, have given uh, $51,000 in 2012 to Roy Blunt. And uh, in 2010, whew, when he was running for the Senate, $243,000. Now, Roy Blunt, according to Public Citizen, who's a watchdog over these matters, is, quote, a legislative leader who not only has surrendered his office to the imperative moneyed interests, but who has also done so with disturbing zeal and efficiency. Uh, he has done so in the past for tobacco companies. His wife works for Kraft. Kraft was also part of a... a trying to defeat California Proposition 37, which would have labeled GMOs. Monsanto also gave to that effort. Roy Blunt is literally married to corporate interests in this case. Uh, but you don't have to go that far. You can just look at his, where he gets his money. We're not done yet. Of course, Roy Blunt is not the only one taking money. Democrats are also taking, other Republicans as well. When you look at who uh, top Monsanto PAC candidates received, now this is a small year, 2011 to 2012. This is not a big deal. The other numbers were bigger. But you give a sense of scale here on an off year. Claire McCaskill, 32,774, nicely done. Hey, look at that, Barack Obama, number two at 23,000, some odd money. Roy Blunt at number three, and Wagner, uh, 18,500, and then Mitch McConnell. You would think that they'd uh, give a little bit more to uh, the man who loves uh, all things corporate. Okay, but Monsanto likes to spread it around. And then, if that's not enough, we've got more. So, contributions to candidates, again, in that off year of 2011-2012, individuals related to Monsanto, employees, etc., gave over $129,000 to candidates, and Monsanto's PACs, on average, gave $385,000. Okay, you see, this is how you get the Monsanto Protection Act. You just go to Congress and you say, who would like a legalized bribe? And here's what you get. A lot of takers. People going, ooh, 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 me, 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 me. And Roy Blunt is at the head of that group. So now you know. That's how our government is bought every single day. And that's how they got this outrageous immunity put into our budget bill. Have I told you before about wolf-pack.com? You go there and you know what we do? We fight back. 
and we're going to beat these sons of bitches. When the army of emotion to this program can only do what it does because of the members who support the show for as little as $5 a month. And as thanks for the support, members now get access to bonus content, including additional voicemails and clips that didn't fit in the big show, and additional stories and discussion topics for me. Plus, I've organized a full archive of the show, including a curated selection of my favorite past episodes, as well as a collection of my absolute favorite radio clips from all sorts of places. All that now available only to members. If you're already a member and want access to all this great content, drop me an email at j at bestoftheleft.com so I can get you set up. And if you're not yet a member, you can sign up now at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. This cruel world, This is your moment of clarity from LeeCamp.net. So let me pose a hypothetical. Imagine you were a corporation that produced genetically modified foods and seeds that could possibly give people symptoms that are less fun than having a dirty bomb in your pants. And as this corporation, you want two things. One is to stop any testing of your products. And then if someone does prove that they're harmful, you don't want it to interfere with your quarterly profits. Because your goal at the end of the day, in the middle of the day, in the beginning of the day, is to make a load of money. You are not to care about whether people get sick or die or want their sister to still be alive, etc., etc. Not your problem. Every meeting you take, every decision you make, you just keep thinking, f*** load of money, f*** load of money, f*** load of money, f*** load of money. Some people clear their mind by thinking of the sound of one hand clapping. You clear your mind by thinking of the sound of a f*** load of money falling on top of your enemies or a farmer who's suing you. That sound would probably be... If I had to guess. Your first step in making sure you achieve your dreams is to get someone you're friends with on the Supreme Court. You know, someone who, like, used to be your lawyer. Someone like Clarence Thomas, former lawyer for Monsanto. And make sure this friend doesn't recuse himself due to conflict of interest. I mean, what's the point of judging a wet t-shirt contest if you're afraid of some Am I right? The next step is to make sure one of your friends is in charge of overseeing the regulations that govern your products. Perhaps even someone that used to be, I don't know, your vice president and chief lobbyist. Someone like Michael Taylor. And you're probably thinking, wait a second, Obama's not going to put Monsanto in charge of regulating Monsanto. But you're so wrong. That's exactly what he's going to do. Keep in mind, Mr. President put Goldman Sachs in charge of the economy they had just burnt down. Social Security haters in charge of Social Security. War lovers in charge of ending the war. Torture fetishists in charge of ending torture. And Jerry Sandusky in charge of Child Protective Services. I, I, I might have made up that last one, but I think it's only because Sandusky wasn't available at the time. So, of course, Obama would put the Monsanto guy in as deputy commissioner for foods at the Food and Drug Administration. I mean, Michael Taylor takes a load of Dramamine just to deal with the motion sickness related to sprinting around the revolving door between Monsanto and the FDA. He's like Superman changing in the phone booth, but instead of putting on a cape, Taylor gives the American people death and disease in the shape of tomatoes with salmon genes. So, I'm, I'm glad there aren't many phone booths left. 
Now the final piece of the puzzle. Just in case a court accidentally tells you they need to test your GMO seeds or plants more thoroughly. Just in case some kind of regulation slips through. Just in case the FDA accidentally does their job. You need Congress to write up something saying you don't have to abide by any laws or regulation. Hell, why don't you just write it up yourself and then Congress can pass it without even glancing at it. Hypothetically, that provision was termed the Monsanto Protection Act. And it was slipped into a bill and passed by Congress last week. Obama then dutifully signed it. The best part of this act says that even if a GMO is found to scientifically cause harm to consumers, the court still cannot stop Monsanto from selling it. So hypothetically, oh hypothetically, these suckers own all three branches of government and they even got the president to sign a law saying no one can declare their deadly against the law? How is that legal? Imagine if they did that with other products. Imagine if it was found that the new Barbie dolls explode when touched, sending little girls rocketing into outer space, and yet the courts could not stop Mattel from selling the product. I mean, Monsanto is the company behind Agent Orange, the incredibly toxic chemical used in Vietnam. With this new Monsanto Protection Act, maybe they can start selling it for people to sprinkle on top of their food. You know, because, because the one thing that I've found missing from my favorite favorite New York pizza is birth defects. My fathers, they have walked this road and now I know, yes, didn't they know, there is no great and heavy load and now I know, yes, didn't they know, fa la 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 la, stand on solid ground, on solid ground, fa la One million protesters against Monsanto worldwide? Well, no, not really, but we'll actually tell you the numbers we really do have instead of just hyperbolic numbers about protests. As we know, Lewis, it's very popular when it's the Tea Party, when it's Glenn Beck doing a speech in front of the Lincoln Memorial, to vastly exaggerate the numbers that participate in a protest, but we will not do that here. On Saturday, there were protests in 52 countries and 436 cities as part of the March Against Monsanto Corporation. This is against genetically modified food. Some of the themes were real food for real people, labeled GMOs, it's our right to know. And the big thing I want to talk about here, we've talked about the, the content of the March Against Monsanto a lot, right? We need full disclosure and labeling on genetically modified foods. We don't buy into the argument that it is simply a ploy from organic brands that are already labeling their food to increase the costs of the companies that would have to do rebrands. We don't buy into any of that. We, sh we think it should be labeled. We are against the incredible lawsuits that are taking place when a Monsanto soybean blows into a nearby field and is planted there, and then that farmer gets sued. We've, we've talked about all that stuff. I think our position is pretty clear on that, right? right. What I want to talk about, Lewis, favorite subject of mine, is the media coverage, or really the lack of media coverage, of the March Against Monsanto. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, 436 cities around the world. The St. Louis Business Journal blog wrote about it. The Tahoe Daily Tribune had a small piece about the local involvement in the protest. 
but essentially no corporate media coverage. Now, remember, ladies and gentlemen, this is not in a vacuum. It's not, well, this didn't get coverage, and other stuff that is similar in size also didn't get coverage. Not only is that wrong, remember when 300 people would show up at a Tea Party rally, and it was all-day news on Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, and Sean Hannity and all the right-wing uh, uh, echo chamber going crazy about the, the the Tea Party movement. People are fired up, Lewis. People are fired up. And then we have cameras that actually pan all the way around. There's like a few hundred people there. You pan past the uh, misspelled signs and, uh, right, there's nobody there. There's nobody there. If you actually take down the misspelled signs, you'll see there's like nobody standing behind them. Mm. But this gets absolutely no coverage. So what is it? Is it the normal cycle of... Big corporations fund big media, so big media isn't critical of big corporations. Is it that simple, or is there more to the the, the lack of coverage about this? Um, well, as I always say, is it is it interesting news to the majority? I don't know. I don't know if it's good for ratings. Hmm. So you think maybe it's just not going to play well? People wouldn't really care that much. I think that's easy for people to say when those people might have ties with Monsanto. I would challenge that, Natan. I would actually say the reason why people wouldn't be interested in hearing about the March Against Monsanto would only hold true. It, it would only be valid if it's a presentation that does not really critically look at the issues and the, and the reasons for the protest. Because if people really understood how important the food situation on this planet is right now to them, and if it was properly presented, you'd see the protest twice as big, and the media coverage would actually do really well. I just don't think we would get that type of coverage. Well, if you compare it to the Tea Party coverage, I think that the problem is that uh, the sort of anti or pro-GMO you know, GMO labeling movement doesn't really have a powerful lobby. So when you have uh, you know, the Tea Party have like a 300-person rally, you have a bunch of press re releases that are being released, and then you get one media outlet to cover, and then all of them cover it, right. just the contagious effect of media coverage. So here, there's no one really pulling any strings for them. There's mm. no money going into it. There's no campaign money, etc. There are no ads. So the media just has no interest. I don't think it's necessarily a deliberate attempt to not talk about it. It's just that there's no one who's going to make it happen. I think it's part, partly deliberate in the sense that a lot of Monsanto and big food brands are advertising on corporate media. Why would they, why would they bite the hand that feeds them? At the same time, Monsanto is a name that a lot of people don't know. People know the brand, right. not Monsanto. Right. right. So I think a lot of people might just get lost in, in all the, uh, the minutiae. You can't be like me, but be happy that you can't. I see pain, but I don't feel it. I am like the old tin man. I'm as warm as a stone, I keep it steady as I can. I see pain, but I don't feel it. I am like the old tin man. I miss it. I miss it. Oh, I miss that feeling of feeling. TMOs, of course, are genetically modified organisms and, uh, there's a very modest proposal in the center from Bernie Sanders who says, hey, listen, uh, states like Connecticut and Vermont, where Bernie Sanders is from, uh, have decided that they're going to label foods that are GMOs. They're not making them illegal. They're not banning them. We're just labeling them. And they want to be able to freely do that without getting sued from companies like Monsanto, who are planning these lawsuits right now. 
And what is Monsanto going to do? How are they going to sue them? I mean, all they're doing is labeling the food. They're not saying don't eat it. They're not banning it. No, Monsanto's thing is you're preempting federal law. So you can't do that. No, 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 no. Uh, no states' rights for you. Uh, and, of course, the Republicans, I'm sure, are against this, right? Because they're in favor of states' rights, so I'm sure they're going to support ba Bernie Sanders. Hold, I'll give you the vote at the end, okay? So Bernie Sanders makes some very logical points. He says, the concept we're talking about today is a fairly common sense and non-radical idea. All over the world, in the European Union and many other countries around the world, dozens and dozens of countries, people are able to look at the food that they are buying and determine through labeling whether or not that product contains genetically modified organisms. And in fact, Bernie is of course right. There are in fact 64 countries around the world that require GMO labeling. Once again, for the hundredth time, they're not banning them. All they're saying is this food is GMO. If you want to buy it, have at it, Hoss. It's, you know, all of our food is labeled already. This would simply be another thing that we put on there, including the calories, et cetera, et cetera, that you see on so many of the different food containers, right? Now, who's going to step into the rescue? Well, the Republicans would be too obvious a choice. Everybody knows they're a wholly owned subsidiary of all the multinational corporations throughout the world, so they need centrist, conservative Democrats. So Debbie Stabenow from Michigan will fill that role today. They keep switching around so they can claim to be progressive on some issues. Stabenow says... This particular amendment would interfere with the FDA's science-based process to determine what food labeling is necessary for consumers. See, now, look, Stabenow's not going to say, hey, I got paid by these guys, so let's just vote for them, even though it makes no sense. So she's got to couch it in terms that seem logical. Oh, my God, we're interfering with food-based science with the FDA. Oh, well, we shouldn't do that. But wait a minute, that's not what the amendment says. All it says is, at the states, we're allowed to label the food. FDA can do whatever they want. You want to do science-based stuff? Great! Bernie Sanders is a massive liberal. He loves science. Okay, he's like, yes, FDA, by all means, investigate to your heart's content. But can I have a little states right here so my home state of Vermont can label? And then if you want to label or don't want to label, that's up to you. So that argument by Debbie Savinow is totally not true. She goes on to say, it's also important to note that around the world now we are seeing genetically modified crops that have the ability to resist crop diseases and improve nutritional content and survive drought conditions in many developing countries. Well, that sounds lovely, and there's a lot of truth to that. Now, look, genetically modified organisms have upsides, they have downsides, and there's a lot of uh, science that still needs to go into studying them to see if they're dangerous, not dangerous, to what degree, etc. And the science is very open on that, right? And they do do some good around the world. What does that have to do with whether Vermont labels them? In fact, if you think they're so beneficial, shouldn't you be in favor of labeling? Vermont says this is a GMO. According to Debbie Stabenow, that should be like, oh, fantastic. This is a product that's saving lives across the world. I will buy that product, right? Perhaps you're not so sure. One last thing from Stabenow, she says, we see wonderful work being done by foundations like the Gates Foundation and others that are using new techniques to be able to feed hungry people. Okay, and that is related to how Vermont can label their food in which way? You see, this is how Washington works. They don't just come out and say, I took a legalized bribe in order to vote with Monsanto. They say, oh, the Bill Gates Foundation, look over there. Uh, hungry people over there. We saved some poor people over there. All these distractions that have nothing to do with the actual issue. So given 
the clear lack of logic on Stabenow's side, a nearly inarguable position of Bernie Sanders. Uh, it's, it's a fortress argument. It's, it's nearly impossible to defend against. Obviously, Sanders won, right? I think you see where this is going. The Senate vote, 71 to 27, against Bernie Sanders, against the legislation, and in favor of Stabenow's nonsense arguments. Because who gives a damn about what's real, what's right? Monsanto and other food companies pay the checks. That's where you get your donations, and that's the way you vote, no matter what silly justification you have to give it. Where have all the flowers gone? Long time passing. Where have all the flowers gone? Long time ago. Where have all the flowers gone? Young girls have picked them every one. Oh, and will they ever learn? Oh, when will they ever learn? Monsanto has just caused a major disruption in the world wheat market because of its experiments with genetically modified foods. As the Washington Post reported, Japan suspended wheat imports from the U.S. on Thursday after the recent discovery of unapproved genetically modified wheat in an 80-acre field in Oregon. Monsanto tested this concocted strain of wheat in Oregon between 1994 and 2005, but it was never approved for commercial use. The current wheat problem is typical of the havoc that Monsanto wreaks. It introduces these GMO plants, which can take on a life of their own, and the company's entire business plan is to swamp farmers with its products and then require farmers to buy the company's patented and seeds and pesticides. The health and environmental safety of Monsanto's products are also dubious. Nevertheless, this spring, Congress passed the Monsanto Protection Act, allowing companies to go ahead and plant their GMO crops even while they're being legally challenged. And the State Department has also been going to bat for Monsanto. But millions of people around the world oppose the company and its products. Last Saturday, there was a historic, coordinated protest against Monsanto in cities across the U.S. and in more than 30 countries. It's that kind of people power that holds out our hope for healthy crops. Jay, this is Daniel in North Carolina. I am just now getting on to the last episode, and I actually had to pause it just to call and leave this message. I, I'm usually right there with the Young Turks. I love their show, love their content, but they have had a major fail on the scientific literacy front here with their "Oh my God, bacteria in the turkey" clip that you just played or that just played in the show. That's why we cook food. You know, if you were to go out and sample just about anything on the planet that you scraped off anything else raw and cultured that in a Petri dish, yeah, it's going to grow some stuff that is not the healthiest thing for us to consume. And that's why the FDA, which I agree is underfunded, but they were all over attacking the FDA. That's why the FDA regulates things and tells us what temperature to cook things to. You know, they work with the CDA, or I'm sorry, the uh, CDC and the WHO. So, yeah, there's bacteria in the turkey. Don't eat it raw. It's not sashimi. 
I, I had to get that out there. Um, hopefully you can spread the word. Turkey's not going to kill you. Cook it. Thanks again. Love the show. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Jay. It's Wade again. Just got through listening to uh, both episodes of the gay rights issues. And I felt I'd just call in and tell you as, as a conservative what I think about it. I've always said that I would never stand in the way of anybody's happiness. It, to me, it doesn't really matter if two men or two women want to get married. It affects my life, none at all. I'm not a Christian, so I, I don't really come at it from a religious perspective. In the show, I felt like I was almost... If, if, if I didn't celebrate homosexuality, that I was somehow a bigot or backwards or I was being left behind. And I just, I felt like, you know what? Screw that. I'll admit it. I'm not comfortable with homosexuality. That doesn't mean I want to go out and beat somebody up because they're gay, but I don't fully accept it. I don't know why. I've thought about it. Just something about it makes me feel a little off. You know, if I, not that this has ever happened to me, but if some man came up and introduced another man to me as his husband, I honestly think I would laugh. I would feel silly. Feel like I'm playing house. That's just my real thoughts on it. I'm not trying to stir up a bunch of, you know, shit. I'm just talking. That's just the way I feel about it. I can't fully bring it into my system and say, yes, y'all guys are awesome and so brave that you're gay. I just don't feel that way. And again, I'm not saying gay's a choice, it's not a choice, I'm not dwelling into any of those issues. It's just the way I feel about it. So uh, I just wanted to share that with you, and, and like I said, I hope that nobody... Have you, but again, though, if you guys think I'm a bigot, well, you're not getting an apology for me on that one. I just, I can't. That's just the way I feel. So that's all, Jay. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make the show possible, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So I, I first just wanted to respond quickly to Wade, and uh, while, and I'll just start with this. The definition of bigotry, uh, a person who is obstinately or intolerantly devoted to his or her own opinions and prejudices, especially one who regards or treats the members of a group as a racial or ethnic group with hatred and intolerance. And so I think based on the way Wade just described himself, I, I don't think that he qualifies as a, as a bigot. I think that's really, really clear and obvious. And uh, and, and it really gets to the key of, of what it is oppressed groups really strive for, you know, taking the LGBT community, you know, members and, and allies together, you know, what, what they strive for and ask for is tolerance. And tolerance is not the same as celebration. I, I, I can't find the clip. I, I, I don't know where he said it, but I'm really like 95% sure that, that uh, Dan Savage, one of the most outspoken, sort of blunt, brash uh, LGBTQ activists uh, and, and advocates, basically said that exact thing. Like, he doesn't need people to be anything other than tolerant. You don't have to be comfortable. You just have to not give a shit, uh, basically. And, and, you know, really, uh, you know, eventually that's going to be sort of the pinnacle of 
supporting the movement is just not caring. You know, there's nothing amazing and spectacular about gay marriage. The point is to make it completely banal and boring. It's just marriage in the same way that we don't feel the urge to throw a parade every time a woman goes to vote. You know, it's just the way it is and no one even bothers paying attention to it anymore. And so, you know, Wade, like, he doesn't have to be comfortable with anything. I, I think probably the source of his discomfort is the fact that he hasn't, as he'd said, he hasn't ever, ever had someone come up and introduce their partner to him. You know, and so having never experienced that, yeah, like you'd probably think, well, I'd be a little uncomfortable experiencing something I'd never experienced before. And, uh, you know, and it goes from there, but that's, that's not really the point. Uh, you know, as we make these transitions in civil rights, we don't really expect, you know, joyous celebration from everyone, really just tolerance. And that, that's why that's what gets talked about the most. Now, on really a completely unrelated note, but also related to sort of, I mean, civil rights, but not so much, but just sort of tolerance and, and you know, interracial and issues, that sort of thing. A very awkward transition for you. I, w- I want to do sort of an exercise with you guys. I think this is going to be good. I'm going to ask a question now and probably in the next show also. And then, you know, a couple episodes from now, I'll play the responses and, and then, you know, tell sort of the backstory and the reasoning behind the exercise. And so th- this, it's not complicated. There's no wrong answer. You're not giving an opinion about something that you're going to feel maybe uh, you're not an expert on. I'm actually asking you about yourself. And so I want a lot of calls on this subject. It's very simple. Uh, whoever you are, uh, you know, wh- wherever you come from, whatever your, uh, you know, gender, race, etc. The question is, I want to know what you like about being the race that you are. If you're black, what do you like about being black? If you're white, what do you like about being white? If you're European or Asian or African or, you know, what, whatever you are, what do you like about being what you are? There are no wrong answers. I promise this is not a trick question where you will, you know, I'll play your message and then actually say something that makes you feel stupid for the way you answered. It's really, you know, it's not going to go that way. Uh, But I think this is going to be really eye-opening because it was eye-opening for me when I was exposed to this sort of experiment in, uh, in a book I was reading. If you have an answer to that question... Please call in the number again, 202-999-3991. Like I said, I'll ask it in this episode and the next episode to give people a chance, make sure they've uh, had a chance to hear the question and, and call in before I talk about it. So that's it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you're not already subscribed to the show, there are lots of ways to do it. Uh, you can do it through iTunes or the standard RSS feed so that you can use in any podcatching software you like. Uh, but there are lots of smartphone apps that people are, are, are really shifting towards and really love. Uh, Stitcher is a great option. And then there is even a best of the left app made specifically for the show available for iPhone and Android. Uh, but thanks especially and also to those who support the show directly by becoming a member or making one-time donations. That is absolutely how the program survives. Stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Up on a picture that wasn't right
Jesus, oh. 